Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. And bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you all. I'd like to say uh, thank you all uh, for uh, your prayers uh, for our family as, uh, as my grandmother went to be with the Lord uh, last week. I was just so encouraged uh, by all of your support and all of your uh, prayers. I'd also like to uh, say thank you for the pastor appreciation uh, gift. Uh, very enjoyable. I just had a great time uh, just unpacking the backpack uh, full of uh, hunting stuff. And uh, actually was able to uh, run out yesterday after basketball uh, and, uh, and hunt for, for an hour or so. Just catch that uh, closing hour. I had Jude uh, with me and I missed a nice eight point. So uh, there we go. Right there. Missed it. Missed it. Shot the arrow. Uh, I don't even know where it missed. It just, it just, it just missed. But um, I'm not really Robin Hood. Uh, but I had a great time. Uh, anyway, we were, we were, Jude and I were sitting out there, and, and the coyotes started going berserko crazy. You ever heard that? Like if you're standing out on your porch or out there in the woods, you just hear the coyotes going, going nuts. Uh, and, um, and, it, and it almost sounds like they're like calling to one another. And so Jude's sitting there, and he says, he says, I wonder what they're saying. And I was like, I don't know. And then he starts, he says, hey. Like he's like in, in whisper talk. He's like, hey, can I borrow some sugar? <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then the other coyote responds, sure, I'll bring it right over. No, um, it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. I'm very grateful. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and it helped me. Uh, help, actually, the, uh, the jacket that you gave me, Jude, got cold out there. I don't know why. It was pretty warm. He got cold, and so I put that thing on him, and he looked cool because it came all the way, all the way down to here. Uh, anyway, I should preach, right? Anyway, thank you all uh, so uh, very much. Let me encourage you to, uh, to remember to pray uh, for our country. Uh, remember to pray uh, for the election uh, that, is, uh, that is coming up here uh, November 3rd. Actually, we should probably stop uh, right now and pray together for our country and for this election. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful uh, for the United States of America. Lord, we are a country that is founded on you, that is founded on trusting in you, uh, that is founded on uh, your word. Uh, we are a country that declares in God uh, we trust. And we just pray over our nation, Lord, and we say, Lord, come and bless the United States of America. Lord, we ask your kingdom come, uh, your will be done. And Lord, we pray uh, that you 
you would come and stir up your people uh, to get out and vote, and that they would vote according uh, to their Christian uh, biblical beliefs. We pray this in Jesus' uh, mighty name. Lord, we just pray uh, your help and your blessing upon our nation. And Lord, we pray that you would so move and that the light of Christ would so shine that this divided country would start to unite. We pray this, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Maybe the coyotes were saying to one another, Hey, make sure you get out and vote. And then the other one said back, Yeah, make sure you do too. And then the other one yelled back, And make sure you vote according to your biblical Christian beliefs. And the other one said, Man, I'm going to do it. I hope you are. And then the other one shouted back and said, Amen. And they shouted back and said, Yeah, hallelujah. Hmm. You don't know what the coyotes are saying. They might as well be praising the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you know that, let's go ahead and get into it, right? That uh, all the time we're making, we're making choices and, and we are making uh, decisions and these have such a powerful impact on our lives and on uh, the lives of others as well. And uh, coming up here, like I've already said, uh, very quickly, November the 3rd, uh, we've all got you know one of those decisions that we've that we've got to make. We've got to decide if we're going to get out and vote. Hopefully that's a no-brainer. Uh, and then we've got to decide you know how uh, we're going to vote. Uh, for me, also a no-brainer. <laughs> but for many, uh, they are not sure. And for many, uh, they would disagree with the way that I'm going to vote. So. Because all this is going on, like right here in our, in our face uh, all the time, uh, we see how divided we are as a nation. That there is, that there is a, a, a millions and millions of people uh, who believe one way and they think that those who believe the other way are wrong. And then there are millions and millions of people you know, who believe that those people who believe one way, that they are wrong. So you've got these differing uh, beliefs and you've got passion on uh, both sides and the way uh, that they believe uh, dictates the choices and the decisions that they are making and it's going to it's going to lead them to make the choice that they're going to make on uh, November the 3rd. And and this is not just happening in our voting uh, but just in every area of our lives what we we believe and what we want, and for some, more what they want than what they believe, uh, impacts and influences the choices and the decisions that we uh, make. And we're going to see this uh, take place uh, here November the 3rd. Uh, my question would be for each and every one of us, and, uh, and for all of you uh, watching or whoever may uh, listen on the podcast, if what if what you believe, you all of a sudden discovered that you were completely wrong? What if like all the people that disagree with us, all the, I say us, I don't know, me, that disagree with me, suddenly discovered that they were completely wrong? Or, you know, what if I suddenly discovered that I was completely wrong? Or any of you discovered the way that I think, 
what I've been believing, what's been directing my choices and decisions, I all of a sudden realize that I am completely wrong. If you discovered that, here's, here's the question, if you discovered that, would you have the wisdom? Would you have the courage? Would you have the integrity and the humility to repent and change? If all of a sudden, you did, let me say it again, if all of a sudden you discovered that, hey, what I believe, what I think, I am wrong. I am completely wrong. Would you have the integrity, the, the humility, the courage to change, to repent and go a different direction? Or would you not? Would you, because of pride and desire, just even though you know you're wrong, just continue down the same path that you've been going down as many, many, many people would? What would be your choice? What would be your decision? If you had the wisdom and the courage and the integrity to say, you know what? I'm wrong. I'm going the wrong direction. And to repent and change, I would say to you that you then and your decision are very rare. Remarkable. Legendary. That that would be a legendary thing to do because most even when confronted with the reality that they are completely wrong because of pride and desire for other things, will continue to march in the same direction that they have marched in before. But if we were to discover that we were completely wrong and we knew that we were completely wrong, it would be legendary, rare, remarkable for us to repent and to change. One of the interesting uh, accounts in Scripture uh, that I wanted to uh, share with you to, to get us going here uh, in the right direction uh, is found uh, in Matthew uh, 22, uh, where there were those who were just completely convinced of their rightness, and they would come to Jesus and confront Him because they thought He was wrong, and Jesus would respond and answer questions, and, and he did this so beautifully and powerfully uh, that eventually people got tired of asking him questions, and instead of, and instead of them proving him wrong, uh, being proven that they were wrong. Do you ever, do you ever run into anybody like that? You know, that you come up against them and, and you just know you're right, and you, and you lay it on them, and then they come back with something, and you're like, oh man, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I wasn't right, you know, spend 15, 20 minutes with my dad, and that's the way you'll feel. <laughs> Take a drink, cough. So here in, in Matthew 22, uh, starting at verse 23, Jesus has, has been uh, being asked questions, and, and they just, they just uh, continue to come, and, and these, are, these are questions that are coming out of you know, wrong motives and not really a desire to discover the truth, but really a desire to prove someone else wrong, which is a lot of times where discussions are. Verse 23 uh, says this, that same day, because other questions had been coming, uh, there were some questions about taxes and stuff like that, but we'll skip those, skip those this morning. 
That same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. You know, you know I, you just, it's hard to just read that and not give the old preacher joke. You know, because they believed no resurrection, they were sad, you see. See, I, I had to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because they believed no resurrection, they came to him with a question. So, so here's a belief. It's a clear one. It's stated These guys are called the Sadducees, and they believe that there is no resurrection. This is a belief that they're wholeheartedly passionate about, one that is affecting and directing their lives, one that is influencing their connections, their decisions, all of their choices. This is something that they believe that is affecting them, and so they come to Jesus with a question about this belief. And so here... So they give Jesus this scenario. Teacher, they said, uh, Moses, uh uh-oh, they're throwing out there Moses. Uh, Moses told us uh, that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. So so here these guys are, are, are are not only people with belief, but they've got a support system for this belief. It's not just some opinion, right, that they've gathered in. They, they are following the teachings of Moses. They've studied. They're learned. They've put some effort and energy into what they believe, and they're passionate about it. And so here they throw out the name, you know, the big name, Moses. You can't really argue with Moses. He said, that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now, uh, there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and third brother, right down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. You know, praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if, I'm the, if I'm the seventh guy, I'm like... Nothing doing, man. You know, I'm going to go find my brother's on his own. I'm going to go find my own, my own wife here. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since, since uh, whose wife will she be of the seven since all of them were married to her? So they've got, you know, this, this well thought out question uh, that uh, this, this scenario uh, that they are bringing to Jesus and they've got him, right? How, how in the world can Jesus uh, reply to this? You know, they've even thrown in there uh, Moses and here Jesus replies. He says, verse 29, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Uh, so Jesus speaks to these Guys who are convinced of their belief that there is no resurrection, who have studied this, who have even brought Moses into this, who have, who have put the effort and work into this, who have a secure argument with no holes in it. You know, you can see these guys all coming together and saying, man, we're going to get him with this one. You know, we got this to play. And, and if he does this, we're going to do all of this. And, and, and they lay this on Jesus. And Jesus replies to them and says, guys... You're wrong. You're mistaken. You are in error. And he says the reason why is because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. It's a very interesting response, right? Because probably here you would say that Jesus is wrong. Certainly, the Sadducees know the Scriptures. They have studied Moses. 
They have the law and the prophets. They have poured over these scrolls. They know the Scripture. right? They've studied the Scripture, but in, in studying the Scripture, they don't know it. They have somehow missed the truth. They have, they have somehow missed everything that they really need to see, even though they have studied the Word of God and Jesus speaks to them and says, you are in error. He says to these guys, you are wrong. Incidentally, this is what Jesus would do a lot of the time. This is what he does in Matthew 5. He steps into a culture that, that is basically founded on the Scriptures. A culture that is, this is the Israelite people. This is God's people. They have the history. They have the Old Testament. They have the law. They have the prophets. They have the word of God. It is what has influenced them. It is what is directing them. And yet Jesus steps into this culture and he speaks and he says, here's what you guys believe. Here's what you think. Here's how you're living. Here's what's influencing your choices. And I just want you to know you're wrong. You're in error. You are mistaken. He said, you have heard that it was said this, this, and this. And Jesus drops in there and says, but I tell you that, that I say unto you something else. I say unto you something different. So Jesus speaks here, even though we have Scripture, even though we've got Moses, even though we have men who have studied, and he says to them, you are wrong. Now here, these guys have an opportunity to be legendary. They have an opportunity to to see beyond any shadow of a doubt that they are wrong, that they have been mistaken, that they have missed this, and, and, and because they recognize that they're wrong, to repent, to have the courage and the wisdom and the integrity to repent and change direction. Now, We don't really see them doing this uh, here. Uh, We know that there were uh, leaders who did have that wisdom uh, and and integrity and courage uh, to see what Jesus was saying and teaching is true and to change and to uh, repent and to shift uh, directions. But we also know that many, uh, out of of pride and out of uh, desire, even though they were completely proven wrong, would not repent, wouldn't change. Instead, a lot of times what happened is they would go off and they'd get together and try to figure out how they could kill Jesus. Right? They, they would know that he was right. They knew that he was teaching the truth. They'd even see an incredible miracle that they, couldn't, that they couldn't do anything about, that they couldn't unexplain. And instead of repenting and changing, they would move and shift and go out and try to, uh, to conspire on ways not to serve him, but on ways to take Jesus out and, and to kill him. <clears throat> So, Jesus continues here and just gives the answer, just just to not leave you hanging. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. So, uh, Jesus in giving, did you see it? He gives the answer. I don't know if you saw it or not, but he says right here, at the resurrection. So, there is going to be a resurrection. He says, so you guys are in error, you guys are wrong because you don't know the Scriptures or uh, the Word of God speaking to people who actually do know it but somehow still don't know it. 
He says there is going to be a resurrection. And at the resurrection, the whole marriage thing, you're mistaken on because they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Hallelujah. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teachings. They were astonished at the word of God, at the truth that came out of his mouth. Uh, They recognized that these guys, these Sadducees, are wrong, and that Jesus is right and that he has spoken uh, truth. And so many, many who would hear him uh, would have uh, the courage and the wisdom to do something legendary and continue, and instead of continue in their foolishness, uh, to change and to repent and to live a different lifestyle. But many, many, many uh, did not uh, change or shift uh, instead uh, because of pride uh, and, and deception and desire uh, they would continue to do the same things that they used to do continue to live the same way uh, that they used to live now there is a a a man in scripture uh, who is who is a legendary uh, figure and, and by legendary, I mean, one of the definitions of legendary is, is remarkable uh, enough to be famous, uh, very well known. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with you know, fiction uh, or, or, or some made-up story, but it is something that was done, uh, something that was so remarkable uh, that, it is, that it is important uh, to remember it, and that it was famous because it was, it was a... It was, it was so remarkable what was done. And there's someone in Scripture uh, who, uh, who is just legendary. Like, we're going to talk about him today. They've been talking about him for generations. They're going to continue uh, to talk about him should the Lord tarry long after you and I uh, are gone. And he does what we're talking about this morning, and it is incredible. It is uh, remarkable, it is, it is legendary uh, what happens uh, here. And, and we find him uh, in the book uh, of Acts. And you know, if you remember uh, what's going on uh, here in Acts, as we're going to drop into Acts uh, chapter 7, as, as the church has, has gathered, there's been the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, many Thousands of people are coming to the Lord. Uh, the Lord, through the apostles, is doing uh, powerful uh, miracles. The church is thriving and growing. They start to bump into a little bit of difficulty within uh, the church, and um, and so the uh, the apostles got to they've got to solve a kind of a. Uh, a problem uh, and 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 bring some order to the church, and so they select seven men who are who are filled with wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit, and they put them over this issue. And one of these guys' name is Stephen, and Stephen is is a man filled with wisdom. He is a man filled with the Holy Spirit, and he has a discussion with the Pharisees and preaches this. Uh, amazing uh, sermon, and and they get the Pharisees get so upset with him that they seize Stephen and they they drag him out and they stone uh, Stephen to death, and he becomes the first uh, martyr. And this is where we we pick up the story in Acts chapter seven. 
We're just going to catch the end uh, of this right here, and I encourage you to, to go back and read all of this. Stephen, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, changed and transformed by his, by his faith and trust in Jesus. Now he is being stoned uh, for his faith in Jesus, and this is what happens here. It says, while they were stoning him, uh, Stephen prayed. Isn't that incredible? It's just hard to get past it. They're stoning him, and he prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. So Stephen, as he is, as he is, gonna, as he is going on to be with the Lord, uh, he prays this powerful prayer. You can see here how Stephen's life has been so changed uh, by our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, that he cries out to the Lord, and he asks the Lord not to, not to hold this against any of them. He just, there's just forgiveness in uh, his heart, and then uh, he goes on to be uh, with the one in whom he has trusted, and... Uh, and then the, uh, <clears throat> is that 61? Or the continuation of the verse? Or is that verse 1 in chapter 8? Verse 1 in chapter 8. Okay. I think that is different in my Bible. Anyway. So verse 1, right here during all of this, we're introduced to, to uh, this very legendary figure in Scripture, legendary man in history, We know him as the Apostle Paul, but here his name is Saul. And it says this, And Saul approved of their killing him. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison, so 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 Saul shows up on the scene. He is here at Stephen's stoning. He's been around, but this is where we meet him. He approves of Stephen being stoned and killed, and then he goes on this journey to not build the church, but this journey to destroy the church. So passionately is he, is he about this that he is dragging off both men and women and putting them in prison. So, you know, here we get kind of a picture of how intense this is, is the word dragged off. You know, he's coming in and he's, and he's by force uh, taking men and women because of their faith in Jesus of the church and dragging them off and placing them in prison. So because of Saul, the church begins to experience this incredible time of persecution. So, so we have Saul here uh, who is, who is uh, believing something and he is, because of his beliefs, choosing to persecute the church, to destroy the church, to try to stop the message of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And all of this is coming uh, because uh, out of a place of, of, uh, of, of study and understanding, uh, not understanding, but study and, and, and learning and, 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 and searching of the Word of God. It actually, Paul says this, this about himself in Philippians 3, just so we can get a little bit of background on who Paul is, who Saul is at this point in time. Philippians 3, he's, he's going to talk about himself here as he 
as he is uh, writing this to the, to the Philippian church, he gives this description so that we know a little bit more about him. He says, uh, but we'll get to it here in just a second, but let's read this. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. So we kind of get ahead of ourselves a little bit here, right? but like last time we were talking about Saul, right? he was trying to destroy the church of Jesus Christ, and here we have him saying that it is we who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So now that leads him to talk about himself here in verse 4. Though I myself have reason for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have uh, reason to put confidence in the flesh, he says, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, it was like a huge, you know, important deal of the people of Israel, right? This is not, uh, he was a Roman citizen, but he is also an Israelite uh, citizen. He is, he is an Israelite uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, can track himself back to the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to, to the law of Pharisee. So he is, he's a Pharisee, so he is, he is, he has got a deep knowledge. He has studied the scriptures. Right? This is someone else who Jesus could say to, you're in error, you're wrong because you don't know the scriptures, but you would think that Jesus might be wrong because he, in regard to the law, is a Pharisee. This is Not only is, is Saul a brilliant man, but he is a brilliant man with a work ethic, and he has studied the law and the prophets, he knows the scriptures. So he's got you know, all kinds of foundation for his beliefs. And all this foundation is leading him to try to destroy the church. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. He knows the scripture probably a lot better than you or I do. And I'm, not probably, he does. <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, I think that they would memorize, you know, huge portions of Scripture and could just quote it, quote it right out. As for zeal, we know he was very zealous, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law or legalistic righteousness, faultless. So he not only knew the law, but he could legalistically dot every I and cross every T. He was faultless when it came to living by the law, the scriptures that he, that he very, uh, very uh, uh, clearly uh, had, had studied, but still was missing and didn't necessarily uh, know them. So if we go back here uh, to Acts, uh, we see uh, that, that all of this stuff has formed in Paul, in Saul, a belief. Back to Acts. So in Acts chapter 8, we have that beginning. So here in Acts chapter 9, the story of, of Saul continues. There was a little bit of a break there in Acts chapter 8 as 
as because of the persecution, uh, the church is scattering, uh, and there's the you know the story of Philip and and what he was doing uh, right there as as you know as he uh, met with the uh, with the Ethiopian and and baptized and all that, and then so so then verse one Acts chapter nine it says meanwhile so back to back to the story of Paul back to the story of Saul Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So he's still trying to destroy the church. Don't you, don't you like how this is written? Don't you like how Luke uh, pins this? He's breathing out murderous threats you know, against the Lord's disciples. So he is, he is still trying to destroy the, the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So he goes to the high priest and asks him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to uh, Jerusalem. So he's, he's making all of these choices to destroy uh, the church. And remember, these are, not just, these are not just out there choices, right? This man has an understanding of the Scriptures. He has studied he is a brilliant man and a, and a passionate man, and he's allowing his beliefs to direct his life to try to wipe out and destroy the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, so much so that he's off to Damascus, not to build the church, off to Damascus to destroy the church. So as he's going, verse 3, as he, is, as he neared Damascus on his journey, journey uh, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Hallelujah. Some people need some suddenlies. Suddenly a light from heaven flashes around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? In verse 5, this is what Saul asked. He says, who are you, Lord? And there we see the problem. Saul asks the question and reveals his problem. And shows us why this man of knowledge, this man who has studied the scriptures, is totally going the wrong direction when he should be building the church, trying to destroy the church. And the reason here is because he doesn't know who Jesus is. He doesn't recognize his voice. He doesn't recognize the light. He doesn't know Jesus. Isn't that interesting that you can know the scriptures and be in complete error because you don't know Jesus? You can have studied the Scriptures and even quote them. You could have read the Scripture and read the Scripture and read the Scripture. And if you miss Jesus, then you do not understand or know what the Bible is trying to say. This man knows the Word of God better than I do, better than Miss Margaret does. Hard to believe. Even better than Joy. But he still doesn't understand he still doesn't see he is making wrong choices left and right because he doesn't know who Jesus is. You see, one of the major questions that we've got to answer in our lives is found in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus says to his disciples, who are people saying that I am? And they say, well, some people say you're a prophet, and some people say you're John the Baptist, and some people say you're this, and some people say you're that. And this still goes on today. People are saying all kinds of things about Jesus. He's a good man. He was a wonderful teacher. You know, he was a prophet. But, but they're saying all kinds of stuff about it. But then Jesus 
looks them right in the eye, gathers them right in, and he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Who are you, Lord? Saul didn't know. He didn't know, and so he's off base, off track, living wrong, because he didn't know who Jesus is. Jesus asked his disciples there in Matthew 16, he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter steps forward and he says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Peter, man, that is not from you. That is not from man. That is revelation from my heavenly Father. And he says, I'm going to build my church on you and on those who have a revelation of who I am. He says, I'm going to build on those who know who I am, who have the answer to this question, who don't have to ask, who are you, Lord? They already know. One of the questions that we've got to answer in our lives is, who is Jesus? And if we answer that question, that then determines the course of our lives. I think, I think this November, November the 3rd, I think you ought to vote. I think you ought to vote based on who Jesus is. And if he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then that should influence and affect and impact the way that you vote. If Jesus is the Christ, if he is the son of the living God, then that should have an impact on every decision that you make in your life. And let me tell you something. He is the Christ, the Messiah, our Savior and Lord, the Son of the living God. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lord God Almighty. He is faithful. He is true. He is the only holy, worthy Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. And if He is, then that changes everything. Here Paul says, who are you, Lord? Because he didn't know, and this is the answer. I am Jesus. He is. This is a voice from heaven declaring, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. This is what Jesus said. And forever this changes and transforms Saul's life. And he no longer has to ask this question, who are you, Lord? He knows that he is Jesus. The story continues. Now Jesus says, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. I wonder what it sounded like to them. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. You see, the change is happening. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Now all of a sudden... 
Saul's not persecuting. Saul's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. So, so, so the uh, stories of Saul have already spread. I don't know how all this happened without you know, iPhones, but it does. Anyway, and these stories get out here, and they know what Saul is up to. They know what he's passionate about. They know what he's been doing. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Not only is, is, is Paul going to have to change from everything that he's been passionately doing, but he's also going to have to face the reality that to, to repent and change is going to mean suffering in, in his life. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who? The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. At once, he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. You see what Paul does here? It's legendary, it's rare, it's remarkable. It's unusual. I mean, he completely shifts. He completely changes. He is trying to destroy the church when we start chapter 9. And here in verse 20, he has changed and he is now proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. See, he didn't know who Jesus was before, but now he sees who Jesus is. And seeing who Jesus is changes the complete direction of his life. He cannot continue to remain the same. And he so changes the way that he's going that now he goes from trying to destroy the church to building the church to trying to stamp out the proclaiming of Jesus, to taking up the task himself, and he doesn't wait, he begins to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. And I'm sure you know the story. This man spends the rest of his life. He never checks up. He never pauses. He never backs up from this. He takes the rest of his days and he spends them proclaiming to everyone, everywhere, in any city, in every town, trying to get to every place that he can to make the, the truth known that Jesus is the Son of God. And He is one of the main reasons that we are here today. 
Because he would not quit and passionately proclaimed Jesus. I mean, have you ever seen a transformation like this? This is legendary. The way that he has the wisdom and the, and the humility and the integrity and, and the courage to recognize I am wrong. The way that I've been living is wrong. The choices I've been making are wrong. I thought I was right, but I'm wrong. And because I recognized that I was, he recognized he was completely wrong, he changes and he begins to live differently. If we recognize that we are completely wrong, we've got to have the humility and the integrity to change and live differently. And recognizing Jesus for who he is is a life-changing revelation. It demands that we repent. It demands that we change. We've got to live different. How in the world could Saul have continued to live the way that he was living? How could, how could he have continued having recognized Jesus and seen that he is the Son of God and he is the Son of God, how could he continue to persecute and destroy the church? He could not. He could not. He could not with his mouth confess, yeah, I met Jesus on the road and he is the Messiah. He is Lord. He is the Son of God. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I've already, you know, got these letters and I'm already c- committed to these things and, you know, I'm already signed up with the Pharisee party, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. And so I'm just going to have to continue to do the things that I could do. He, can, he cannot do that. His beliefs and confessions affected his life so that his life lined up with what he believes and what he is declaring. And that's the way that it's got to be for each and every one of us. Our our. Our beliefs and our confessions got to impact our, ch- our choices and our decisions. Our choices and our decisions have got to line up with our beliefs. They've got to line up with our confessions. We can't confess Jesus, Lord, and then continue to live like he's not. We can't see him as Messiah and Christ, son of the living God, and then abandon everything that he stands for and all that he has said and the example that he has lived. And it's, like, it's like declaring Jesus is Lord. He is the son of God. But then, but then saying, you know what, but I'm not going to serve or love anybody. Right? These are at the core of who Jesus is. And it's like saying, you know what, I believe that Jesus is Lord. He is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. Right, but I'm not forgiven. No, mm -mm. I'm not doing that. There ain't no way. That's crazy, man. I am bitter and I'm hanging on to it. And I don't want to make light of that because I know that's challenging and difficult. But I'm just saying, if 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 you're believing in Jesus, you can't then deny one of his his core teachings and beliefs and examples. You know know why Stephen was able to declare, Lord, forgive them, don't hold this against them? Because that's what Jesus did on the cross. He looked out and said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're, they don't know, they don't know what they're up to. They don't understand. Lord, forgive them for this. 
It was Stephen could no more uh, uh, want the Lord to cast you know revenge and judgment on them uh, than than he could anything else because he he saw Jesus for who he was and it impacted and changed his life. You see, when we see Jesus, it's got to change us. When we see that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Living God, it's got to affect our everyday choices. And it should certainly affect some of the big ones that we've got to make, like on November 3rd and every other big choice that we make. We should be changed and transformed by, by our revelation of who Jesus is. So I think maybe the big question you've got to ask and that you've got to come to terms with is you've got to ask and you've got to answer the question that Jesus asks in Matthew 16. Who do you say I am? Each and every one of us have to answer the question, who is Jesus? Who is he? And based on how we answer that question, it must affect our lives. I don't know. I don't know what you think. I don't know what you believe. I don't, I don't know what you think. I don't, know, I don't know what you believe. I don't know where you stand on things. I don't, know where you, I don't know where you stand on abortion. I don't know. I don't know. Okay? I don't know. But if you see Jesus, and if he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then it has got to affect you in that area. It draws a line in the sand. And you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a choice based on who Jesus is. If he is the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God, right? Then, then that's got to affect how you feel about marriage. It's got to, you, it's got to change something about you if, if he is who he says he is. And, and again, he is who he says he is. I don't, know what, I don't know what you think about, about being a mom or, or being a dad. I don't know what you, how you feel about being a husband or, or a wife. You know, I don't know what you think about, about how we should raise our children. I don't know, you know how you feel about what you should do with your Sunday morning. You know, I, don't know, I don't know what you think or believe when it, comes to, when it comes to the choices and decisions you make about your finances or, or your time. You know, I don't know what's affecting your, your decision-making process when it comes to what you will watch and, and, and listen to and who you will connect with or where you go or where you won't go. I'm just telling you that if Jesus is the Son of God, if He is the Christ, then that should affect every area of your life, impact every decision that you make. Everything ought to come now out of who Jesus is. We can't say, who, we can't say He's the Christ, the Son of the living God and then totally deny him in the way that we live and in what we believe. You see, Saul was changed by it. He was completely transformed by his vision of who Jesus is. When you see Jesus and you recognize because the light shines and when the light shines, things become clear and unseen things are now seen. And when Jesus shines on your life, you recognize, whoa, I am completely wrong. Saul recognizes, I am completely wrong. And he makes a legendary decision to change his life, 
to repent and now live for Jesus in every way, in every area, all of the time. And because of it, he's a legendary man. I don't know how you feel about Jesus. I don't know what you think about Jesus. But you've got to answer the question this morning, who is Jesus? And if your answer is he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, he is life and freedom, salvation and peace, Lord of lords and King of kings, then that answer means everything in your life then lines up and is supported by that belief. So let your decisions, let your choices, all that you make, come out of a revelation of who Jesus is. And if in seeing Jesus, you see, hey, there are some areas in my life where I am completely wrong. There are some things that I think completely wrong on. There are some beliefs that I have that are completely wrong. Then do something legendary. Do something rare and remarkable. Change. Repent. And change. Allow the light of Christ to shine into every area of your life, show you where you're right, and show you where you're wrong. And when you see, I'm wrong, then change. Lay your pride down. Have the humility and the integrity to change. And line up your life based on your revelation of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we know that no one comes to you unless drawn by the Holy Spirit. And so we, we just ask, Holy Spirit, draw right now. That you would just draw in this room, that you would draw through Facebook, that you would just draw through the podcast, that you would just move and call to people. And Lord, we pray that, that as they ask the question, who is Jesus? That as they ask the question that Saul asked, on the road to Damascus, who are you, Lord? That they would have this revelation that would come to them from the Father that would be theirs. That you, Lord Jesus, are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that they'd put their hope and their trust in you and would allow you, Jesus, to come in and change every area of their lives all of their beliefs, things that they've so passionately held on to, show them, Lord, where they are right and show them where they are wrong and give them the humility and the courage and the integrity and the wisdom to change, to do something rare and remarkable, legendary. We pray this in Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just gonna ask you this morning, if right now you're seeing Jesus in a new and clear way and you are seeing that He is Lord, that He is life, that He is salvation, that He is freedom, and you want to just open your heart and invite Him in as Lord and Savior, I just ask you to raise your hand. Man, I see your hands. I see your hand. If you're online watching, just raise your hand right where you are. 
you're listening to this podcast, just raise your hand right where you are, just as a, as a declaration. I believe in you, Jesus, and I want to give you my life. I want to give you my heart. And if that is your desire, I'm just going to lead us in prayer. And I just ask that you just repeat after me. Just pray this from your heart. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Lord Jesus, I see you. I know that you are the Christ, the Son of God, that you are Savior and Lord. And Jesus, I open my heart. I ask you to come in. Be Lord of my life. Be my King. Be my Savior. Be my everything. Help me to live every day for you and for you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.